127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry, 127 at FBC Bryan. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> what a do. Podcast crew. Wow. D flat. That was beautiful. D flat. <laughs> yeah. I get that. I get that. F. Oh, was, Wait, you was graded that me or, or was that, or that the note? The key. D flat's not yes. a D flat's not a grade. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was B flat. That was a B flat. <laughs> Might have been the high B flat, B flat not the low B flat. Ah, B flat. Why are you? What? Why did you go that route? Well, all the rapping that we've been doing the last couple of days, and you just went that way. There's someone on the on the pod today. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I don't. Someone on the pod can probably rap, but Ooh, I don't know if you want that. I think probably sings better, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe hey. she has a hidden talent. <laughs> who, who who are you? Who is this? Abby, Abby Sierra. Abby. <laughs> Man, we got words and sentences flowing right now. Abby. You be Sierra? What? I do. Who, who are you? What do you do? Where you come from? Where you go? Where'd you come from? I am. Oh, geez. What yeah. do you, you want to know? I mean the normal stuff. I mean, if you were, if you were to give an intro to a new group of people, what would you say? Uh, my name's Sierra. Yep. I am a sophomore at Texas A&M University. Oh my. I'm going to lose the country accent really quickly. Sophomore at Texas A&M. Moo moo buckaroo. And I'm also the 127 girls college resident. Girls. Girls Hoo- college resident. Hoorah. 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 <laughs> Hooray. That's also true. So uh, how are we, how are we feeling today? I know Caleb's on a high right now. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm all right. Good. All right. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what, were you, what were you expecting? <laughs> I was, I mean, we make baseball references every episode, so I probably oh. shouldn't have said that, but it's fine. That's okay. I was trying to do something different today. Okay. But I mean, if you're, if you're going to ask about baseball. No, my word. Oh, jeez. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We won't go there. We won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> we tired? How are <laughs> you doing? <laughs> Hurts my feelings. <laughs> I'm good. I'm in there. I'm on a podcast right now, so we mm-hmm. we there, um, but I'm here, you know. That's so, good, making it. Sierra, <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, the sun is shining. That's very true. That is very true. He always Whoa. is. <laughs> oh gosh, that was. It took me a while to get there, but we got there. It's fine. Well, uh, the banter in this episode has been excellent, and so the transition is going to be even more excellent. Bring the noise, dude. You should sing this transition. <laughs> Nothing came out of my, my vocal cords. <laughs> oh wow! I mean that that was that's our new theme song. That, that was good. That was really good. I think we should just re-record that and put it on the intro. Well, it's recorded. We don't have to re-record well, it. Re-record the intro and put, put that, that on, on it. That. That's oh, what okay. I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the live album. Oh yeah! Shout out October first. If you're at the Palace downtown, Brian. If you eleven at, days. It is 11 days from now. If you're free, haven't gotten your free ticket yet, fbcbrian.org slash, I think probably events, if I had to guess. It, that's 100% the mm-hmm. correct web address. Man, I'm on top of that. 100%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Here we go. Well, worship. If you've been a listener for a while, or if you scroll down on the Apple podcast slash Spotify realm on this channel, you've seen importance of worship part one, which was 
I guess without Jason and then part two was Jason and then that was sort of the end of the conversation. And so, um, we're kind of reopening it up a little bit, um, in a sense, but we're taking a little bit of a different direction. So, um, the question that was posed was, was how should you worship? And I kind of just want to sit that before you guys and take it whatever direction you want to go, but how should one worship? And then, um, later on in the podcast, we'll get into the highly debated topic of, um, ordered services versus the spontaneous services. But before we get there, how should one worship? Yeah. You, you look at me. I mean, anyone can answer. I, I don't want to derail the podcast early. <laughs> it's fine. Um, we in there because a majority of the people that are listening to said podcast right now, when you say like worship and how should we worship? And because you did the intro the way that you did when we talk about worship, they, they just go like, Hey, it's all about singing. Um, or it's, it's all about the part of the service where we <laughs> play music and, <laughs> and sing really loud and respond. And yes, like that's a part of it. Singing, um, to God is a part of your worship, but that's, mm. it was never meant to be that. Um, it, it was never meant to be the, the foundation of worship. It was never meant to be Matt Redman. It was never meant to be the heart of worship. If, just, yeah, like if we want to, if we want to hijack that song or, or tell the story, he just got irritated at his church's response to worship. And so they quit singing at mm. services. He's like, we're not doing worship anymore. Um, and so they got up and they opened God's word and they prayed and they went home. Mm. And, and I don't, I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly how long they hit pause from that, but it was multiple weeks, if not months where they just didn't sing anymore. And he wrote the song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship during that hiatus from singing. Um, that was kind of a reset. And what's funny is that then it became an anthem for like my collegiate generation (laughs) to like Mm -hmm. that probably even more so sparked the movement of worship being a song driven thing. Mm -hmm. And it might even be worse for us now, but I just want to say that like the singing part of it was never meant to be the heart behind all of it. Mm -hmm. I just looked up the definition. It says, this is just straight off Google. It says the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. And so I think that goes right along with what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, through song, it's like, it's powerful. We can't get away from the fact that those are, those are sweet and can be um, incredibly strong, powerful moments where we do sing. And I believe the Lord in the part of creation did that. We see that all throughout scripture that, I mean, there, there are elements of creation that respond in song to God, but, but you don't, unless you're really paying attention, weirdly, you've seen the movie August Rush, you don't pay attention to creation singing. You don't pay attention much to the creation song that trees declare loudly and mountains declare loudly um, as much as we do. Like, hear me sing, church. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. So that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look at the biblical definition of worship of there's two main words that emerge, you kind of have the Hebrew word that's meaning like ascribing worth to something. And then you have the Greek word in the New Testament that literally means ministering to God. Mm. And so neither of those words have anything, any contextual like link to singing at all and are more of, you know, how can we, the term ministering to God is so interesting because then worship falls in more of this definition of serving and obedience. And what does that look like versus anything to do with, with music? Mm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my, my initial thought is how should we worship is just, I think that worship is an outward um, display of what your heart has has experienced on the inside. I think that's the simple way to put it, but that you are outwardly displaying your your love for God in your service and in your song. It's like like John said, it's so much more than just song, mm. but that you are 
um, displaying the contents of your heart. Matthew seven says that, that out of the, the mouth, the heart speaks. And so I think yeah. just the idea that if we limit our, our worship just to our song, then we're missing out on, I think what, what Sierra said, we're missing out on what the full definition of, yeah. of worship is. So, yeah, we kind of hit on this, I think in those first couple episodes, but I think it's important to recognize too, that all of us are worshiping something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this idea that, um, the scriptures get at is, is you're going to have something at the idol or at the altar of your life. Um, and what is that going to be? What's going to be the thing that you look to and you worship and you fall in adoration of and fear of as well, um, irreverent fear, but, um, Sierra kind of hit on this, but, but what is, what is this honoring to God, obedience to God? Like, what does this worship idea look like for the individual? Um, we'll get into the, the service more communal aspect of it, but mm. what does this look like for the individual? Yeah, I think we see some stories in the New Testament, like surrounding Jesus, especially of um, different people that he points to that are kind of examples of worship. We see um, the widowed giver in the in the temple. Um, Jesus is watching these people come and give, and one of the Pharisees is making a comment about how much or how little this woman is giving. That she's only giving two pennies, shekels. What are they? I don't know. Coins. Mm-hmm. Um, And he says that like, she's given everything. And like, that's her example of worship. We see another example where a woman is anointing Jesus's feet with, with this expensive perfume and her tears and, and all of that. And that, in that example is worship. And so I think it's ultimately like serving in Jesus with everything you have of whether that's a little or a lot, it's whatever you are bringing to the table that day, that's individual worship. And it has way more to do with the way that you walk your everyday life and the decisions that you make, even when they're inconvenient, I think those are more indicative of your worship than showing up on a Sunday and singing when everybody else is singing, mm. because that's really convenient. But, you know, waking up early in the morning to pray, like, I think that's a form of worship and that's not convenient. Mm. You know, giving your time that, you know, maybe you have a ton of tests to study for, but taking a break to give God glory in any way, like that is inconvenient and that like is worship. I think any way that we alter the normal pattern of our day mm. to glorify God, I would consider that worship. Yeah. For an individual. Mm. <laughs> That's spicy. That's what we say. <laughs> Open it up. It's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> spicy. Yeah. I, I, when you were talking, I, I kind of get this idea um, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong in this, but, but when someone comes to a service and lifts their voices to God is honestly just a declaration of what that week looked like for them. Um, not that it's performance at all, but I think when you walk into a Sunday service and you're kind of disconnected during a worship service or the singing portion of a service, um, I did worship in air quotes, but you can see it. Cute. Um, I think that like when you feel disconnected, I think it's honestly just a representation of what your worship looked like throughout the week um, and what your your heart is at um, at that moment in time on that given Sunday or wherever space you're at. Um, but I think that's it's really cool to see um, that that a gathering of believers uh, should be encouraging for you, but also um, you kind of get a, a gauge of where your heart's at mm-hmm. um, in your relationship with the Lord. But. Yeah, for sure. And not to discredit the importance of corporate worship. Yeah. Of, I think that's yeah. a beautiful expression of a bunch of people coming together to give God glory. Like that is a huge part of it. But mm-hmm. I think individual worship is just as important as coming together at the end of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Beginning or the end. Yeah. 
Beginning, of the week. beginning I mean, of the week, uh, end of the week. It's a grand question that he just posed because <laughs> because my my pushback. It's not even really a pushback, but the wording that Zach used. We have to be a little bit careful with like we come to to service at the end of the week and just like praise God for what He's done. Um, but I think it, we should flip a switch in our mind to go. Worship isn't about like so much our interaction of the stuff that we just survived, but worship basically is God inviting you into the work that He's already doing. Hmm. Um, and so that's where like prayer is worshipful and, and me opening a door for somebody and saying, have a good day is worshipful. And there's, there's just a lot of spaces that worship comes alive because when we make worship about us Hmm. or about how we feel or about how passionate we are in a moment or about how well the, the bass guitar is mixed in with the (laughs) drums or like about any of those things, um, then, then we lose the essential essence of worship and what has been taking place not just in my lifetime this week, but what has been taking place forever. Hmm. Um, that's, that's John 17, five. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So there's a glory that's always been um, that we can be a part of. And so it's not so much, hey, how did my week go? But yeah. this is what God is inviting me into a space or, or into a place that he's mm-hmm. already been working and I just get to partake in it mm-hmm. is kind of a, is a sweet moment. That's why there's so many premises that lead to promises. We say that a lot within scripture that it's like, if you would just come to me in this manner, mm-hmm. lifting holy hands, bowing face, whatever it may be, like a, a posture in worship, which is often driven by not feeling like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I love, I'll encourage some of you go to some of, some of our first, go to our traditional service and there, you're going to see a room full of people that didn't require an emotional response to mm. get to worship. Yeah. And so when the first song is like, here's our song of adoration to God, you'll see these older people raising their hands to God and go, wait, like there's no bass right now. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. There wasn't the proper like kick drum effect that happened with the Nord coming in that, re- that the Holy Spirit came into the room. Um, because they know that here's their actions yeah. that drive their response. And so like that, that God's already inviting you into something that he's been doing for eternity. Mm, that's really good. I, th- I think we're already kind of pushing the envelope here of, Uh-oh. of corporate worship. Um, and I, I had an interesting question posed. And I already kind of hinted at this, but, um, this idea of, of a spirit led worship service, um, or some might just say spontaneous, um, seems kind of a little bit out of left field, um, trying to put synonyms to that, but, um, the comparison, comparison between that and an orderly service that is planned, um, sometimes to the minute, sometimes just section by section, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Um, is there, is there a right approach? Is there a wrong approach? What, what do we do with this? <laughs> I'm lost. So I tag somebody else in right here. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Go. Not me. Caleb, you got something to say? I, I have plenty of things to say, but I feel like I shouldn't go first. <laughs> That's funny. I'm okay with you going first. Uh, I'll just open the, dis- the little discourse with this. I would say there's obviously a, a lot of wrong ways to do worship and corporate worship, that is. Um, and I think there's a, there's plenty of right ways to do um, corporate worship. And so I think, like, First, just to start it off with the, the should we have order in service or should it be spontaneous? I, I don't think that this is like, I don't think that saying 100% ordered and 100% spontaneous is necessarily the, the, the perfect scenario. Because I would say um, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about including order in services and that you, that you should have order. But at the same time, in those services, people were allowed to stand up and speak if they had a word 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was just meant to be done in an orderly fashion. And so I would say that there's, there's a balance first and foremost, there's a balance. Mm. So. For sure. Yeah. I think I lean towards for corporate worship. Now I don't think there's necessarily like one is a sin or anything like that, but I think when it comes to corporate worship, there is a sense of, of planning is wisdom. And I think God works through the planning and the spirit is just as much in the planning as he is in those spontaneous moments. Does that mean if you have a planned service, you like absolutely have to stick to that? No, there is still like room for the spirit to move and you add things in while the service is going. But plan and order, I think, gives us a structure and gives us a basis to it allows us to slow down in the planning process and say, is what we're singing, first of all, true? Is it, you know, backed by scripture and Hmm. like, is it? Also, how is it going to fit with the rest of the service of, are we creating a place with as little distractions as possible for people to experience God? Because mm. I think that's the job of the worship leader ultimately is to like, we are making a meeting place for God to come and show up. And I mean, he's going to move either way, but are we helping people experience that in a way that limits distraction and, and gives people just the easiest access, mm. um, you know, to God. I also think if you even look at like Old Testament, like tabernacle, like worship, like that was all very ordered and very planned out and very structured. And I think there's wisdom in that. Like we're no, by no means bound to those things, but I think they give you an insight to, I think there is an order to coming into God's presence of, you know, moving through worship. And I think the way that we build worship sets is also indicative of that. Mm. That's good. Hey, Hey. don't don't look at me like that. (laughs) I'm looking at you like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice, I guess. Um, because I, I think Caleb and, and Sarah both were, were grace filled in, in said response. <laughs> and, and we need to be because, because there, there can be a tendency and I can fall into this camp too, of, of like pushing back really hardly, really hard about some of these things. But a lot of that's based off of experience. Um, for those of you that don't know behind the behind the curtain. Um, so my ministry, like ministry stuff started out leading worship. And so, I mean, I, I was an intern at a church and then we started a college Bible study and college Bible study grew and a group of us started leading worship that led to a lot of other opportunities to lead worship, um, in, in a lot of really cool spaces. And so I, I got invited to, to different events that I didn't know what, the, what the, uh, not the Holy spirit of the room was going to be, but the spirit of the room was going to be. And, and so it just had unique experiences Mm -hmm. all the time. And we were very much, uh, plan every aspect of it. Just let it go, dude. (sighs) Um, Plan every aspect of make sure that we knew transitions, make sure. And, and a lot of that was not, um, we'll go twofold here. It, It wasn't so much like, Hey, uh, let's sound really good. Let's do all of those things. But from the other side of that is it's really easy to be a distraction in worship. And so planning is, is important in the musical sense so that people don't just don't look at you and go clowns on stage. (laughs) Um, you completely, that was terrible, uh, because that can happen. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are moments that, um, that's why we make much of our audio, audio video teams and things like that, that Mm -hmm. you can, you can easily distract people. That's just part of it. Uh, and so we thinking through that, we didn't want to be a distraction. Um, but also just sitting underneath the realm that if we wanted our, our service to be spirit led, then why didn't we give the spirit a really long runway? Like I would rather be led by the spirit, not just in the moment, but I would rather be led by the spirit a month before the moment. Right. And if I'm praying about that specific worship set and I'm asking the spirit to be involved in it and I'm 
in tune with maybe what the spirit is saying, then there's going to be songs that I hear music that I play that leads to a connection to another song, knowing what the pastor's speaking about that may lead to another song. Like all of those can be spirit led moments that make us have a spirit led service that wasn't just, I hope he does, but mm-hmm. I've already been seeing him doing it for four and five weeks. And that's where we go. God's inviting us into a work that he's been doing since eternity. So I'm going to start the runway to the service as long as I can, or as early as I can to make it as long as I can. Uh, and that way, I know it's not just, hey, my musical ability to transition from, you know, the key of D to the key of E with a cool little chord change, but more so this is what the spirit has been saying to us. Mm. And I can walk into this with a different type of confidence that he was involved in it, not me and my preference was involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to John's point from the worship leader side of it, of it's a lot easier to lead people if you've been led first yourself in that. And so Mm. I think in the planning process, you know, you are being led through that service, you know, through prayer, through, you know, the authority of, of the pastor running the service, all of those things, like you are walking through that service and praying through it and digesting all of that before you have to lead somebody else, a congregation of people through that worship set. Mm. What, what would you say to the person that, that has a strong preference either way um, in responding either to a church service that doesn't go with their preference or even to in, in conversation with mm-hmm. someone else who has a different belief um, what, what would you kind of say to that person? Like go to a different church or, or what? Like I don't, you know, what's the right approach there? Yeah. Uh, gracefully. Uh, I think, I think I know what you're asking. There are people that will come to our services and just be like, Hey, that, that's not my jam. Mm-hmm. I wish that you would do mm-hmm. this this way. And, and we love that, but we also know that for some strange reason, the Lord has put leadership in place, volunteer and paid who have a unique gift set and unique passion in this place that we want them to use that unique gift set, unique, I can't talk anymore, (laughs) unique gift set (laughs) set. and unique passion for God's glory. And, And I think we will always function more so, and this is how God has ordained this, that we should lead from our strengths, not from our weaknesses. Like there are moments that, yes, I need to improve on my weaknesses, but... But I'm not going to be like, hey, I know this, this guy who's called to the ministry, but he's, his weakness is teaching, and so we're just going to let him teach. Like, this is, this is the best idea. That's not the best mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. And, and so in that, when someone has a preference issue with our church, it's pretty easy to go, like, like I love that, and, and I love you have that preference, and there's probably churches that fit that, mm-hmm. and you'll fit really well there. Our leadership is not that. And, and if, if it's our goal to cater to everybody, we're definitely yeah. in the wrong business yeah. um, mm-hmm. because there's... There's parts of our message that do not cater to people just, just foundationally. But then within our leadership, we, we can't apologize for leading from our strong places. And, and so in that we will easily encourage, and I'll do this with college students all the time. If if you don't like this, let me help you find that. And Mm -hmm. you go to that place and make it better because we have an above average sign out front that says first Baptist Brian, but that sign won't be in heaven and it won't matter. Um, and who cares we're about the bigger picture and the bigger church. And if you go, you, you need to go to a place that you love and that you will serve. And in that you'll invite people to, and hopefully they'll hear the gospel. So it, it allows me to go, my preference in worship isn't really that big. And in, in fact, I just care about the big church. And there's some parts mm-hmm. of First Pastor Ron that I absolutely love. I mean, I work here one, but if I was just attending, there's parts that I would love and go, I'm going to make that my church home, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the hill that I'm dying on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I kind of had a thought about the pre- previous point as Uh-oh. far as just 
He's in the decline? In the, um, recline, in the recline? What's recline. he doing? Backtrack. <laughs> Uh, like my mom in the grocery store. <laughs> Just as far as um, what something that John had said, I think that a lot of times we tend to think that that spontaneous services like Zach said are the only place that the spirit can move. And yet I think sometimes what we had talked about before this was being recorded was just that it can some sometimes often breed laziness hmm. um, or a lack of effort because you you basically crutch yourself. You, you say, I don't have to put effort in because the spirit is just going to be with us in the service and he's going to guide us all. And yet, like once again, the spirit of the Lord uh, honors hard work. And I found a a scripture for that, that that kind of connects really well. And so (laughs) Exodus 35, 30, they're about to construct the tabernacle. And then, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God, (laughs) with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan. And he continues to go on and just say that that the spirit of the Lord has instructed and guided and filled um, Aholiab and, and Bezalel with the, the skill and the knowledge and the order to do what, to build the tabernacle, to, to build the place of worship. And so I think in that context, if we would just realize that, like John said, that the spirit of the Lord has gifted us uniquely and given us um, skill and knowledge and, and wisdom so that we would do things in an orderly way beforehand, before the tabernacle is constructed, before that worship service. And I think that um, so often when we um, just say that we have to have spontaneous services, we really neglect that that spirit gifting of order and structure and talent and, and wisdom, like John said. Like you're not going to put somebody up there that they can't teach on stage. Uh, so I think I think that's a big a big thing as well. That's really good. I'm I'm gonna push this idea a little bit deeper, maybe for the individual in a service that um, I guess is struggling with this idea of emotional response versus um, having their faith rooted in just truth. Um, and so kind of removing Easy. that emo- emotional aspect. <laughs> um, what What's the balance in those two? So someone coming to a service, we're kind of straying away from this idea, but individual walks in the service, like how much of it should be emotional response? Because I firm believer that, that God is, um, an emotional God. He sympathizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he knows our weaknesses. Um, like he has emotions, um, but also our God is full of truth. Um, and no, no matter what the circumstances, like you get to respond and worship. And so what's that balance for the individual? Yeah. I mean, I, I, turned I'm, just, me. I just I'm just reminded of what Sierra brought up earlier of the old Testament. And you see in Leviticus, we were talking about earlier, but how God had given them these regulations of, of this is the holy of holy place. This is the holy place. And this is the common place. This is where you approach me and worship. This is how you approach me and worship. This is how you approach me and sacrifice. And I'm reminded that really, I'm not saying this directly applies, but almost none of that was an emotional thing. It was just that you are witnessing that you are sinful and that God is good and God has prepared provided a way for you to be made right with him. And so, um, I think a lot of people think that 
I think a lot of people get confused on the difference between joy and maybe happiness in worship. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it can be of we want to feel these emotional responses of happiness or um, excitement. And yet what the Bible is calling us to in worship is joy. And like you said, there's a difference between joy and happiness. And I think um, we just have to realize that joy is rightly found in knowing the Lord, knowing what he's done for you and knowing what that means for your future. And I think happiness is more just like you said, the emotional thing that isn't really based in faith. It isn't really based on who God is. It's really based on how you feel. So would emotions then be bad to experience in worship? I don't think emotions are bad at all. I mean, I think you need to feel those feelings. If we're constantly pushing those things down, like that's not a healthy way to come before God because then we're in a sense hiding something Mm. by suppressing those emotions. But I think when those emotions fade, like you can feel those feelings, but you cannot lean on them. You can't be rooted in those things because Mm. as soon as you, you know, get out of that sanctuary, there's no more lights. There's no more bass drum. (laughs) Oh, Where the spirit of the Nord is not. <laughs> That's true. Right. Like when you're, you know, when you're alone in your room, like fighting those battles, like, are you mm. still rooted in truth or are you living off those feelings that you mm. experienced in corporate worship on Sunday? Like, I think that goes back to kind of where we started of like your worship has to be more than just the feelings that you mm. feel when, yeah. you know. You're yeah. in a worship experience. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if, if feelings fade, which they do, trust me. When feeling, when, when feelings fade, fade um, <laughs> then if, if your worship is based on feelings, then your worship will fade. Mm. And that like that's not good. We have to be honest about that. The Bible tell, tells us to worship, to rejoice continuously, continually both ways. And so it's, it's it can't be that our worship is based on feelings. So. Hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a careful, a careful balance there that Sarah's even scratching the surface of when you bring John 14, six into this equation that, um, I mean, true and faultless worship or true worshipers are those that worship in spirit and in truth. Hmm. Um, the spirit aspect of that is a very emotional thing. Hmm. Um, it took me a second to, to find this quote, but, uh, it, if you want kind of to have your affection stirred, uh, a little bit for like what worship looks like, uh, desiring God from John Piper is just mm. a, a, it's a hard read. We'll tell you that, but it's a, it's a really good read. And, and he wrote true worship comes only from spirits made alive and sensitive by the quickening of the spirit of God. Mm. The true worship comes only from the spirits made alive and sensitive by the quickening of the spirit of God. And so like the, it's important when, when Jesus says that, um, we worship in spirit and truth, truth is pretty plain for us to understand truth is centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who is truth. I'm the way, the truth and the life that's John 14, 16. And, and so the, the, the message about his saving accomplishments is the thing that pushes us into that truthful response. He, mm-hmm. And and then we could go, the word is truth. The word, I mean, it's over and over through there. So our engagement with God's word drives worship. That's the foundational mm-hmm. part of it, the, the spirit and truth, but our understanding through the word um, stirs up the spirit in us. And so, yes, it is an emotional thing. And so our worshipful response, whether it be through song or engaging in God's word or in prayer or just living our lives of worship out loud must engage our heart and our head. Like mm-hmm. that's the only way that, 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 uh, this cute saying that we had in Sherman that, um, uh, our theology leads to our doxology. Our understanding of God leads to our worship response of God. Um, so our true understanding of God about um, 
God the Father and God the Son and how their partnership was together in rescuing me from my sin, um, that's going to drive an emotional response to me that affects my heart and it affects my head. And my strongest emotions to God are rooted in the deepest truths. Um, and so my emotion can be not something that necessarily fades, but is fueled by truth. And the more that I engage with truth, the more I can be emotional in my response to him. And so uh, in saying that, it, I think this can go both ways, that, that if that's true, then also worship is needed. It's vital for me and for my heart um, to help continue to drive my perception of God. And, and so it, it's a gift that God has given us. If its spirit is there and truth is there and combines leads to proper worship. And then my worship fuels my spirit to engage more with truth. And then my truth fuels yeah. my spirit to worship. This is a, a cool part of that. Otherwise we have a dead doxology um, and we don't desire to learn the things of God. And so it should be an emotional thing that also once we really begin to engage with it is something that doesn't necessarily die in us. It's mm -hmm. not like you get past the, I don't feel like worship. That's like shallow emotion yeah. into really deep emotion to going, I must Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. at that point. And then your response becomes totally different. Yeah. I th I'm just reminded of this idea that, um, and I've experienced this myself, um, of in the hardest moments of life where my emotions are kind of all over the place are sometimes the most intimate moments that I have mm -hmm. with the Lord in worship. Right. And so um, I think that even no matter what John was kind of hitting at here too, of like, no matter the, the circumstance, there's always reason to worship um, because there's a bigger circumstance and story that you're living in um, that draws you into closer intimacy with the Lord. So um, I'm just going to kind of open the floor um, of any, any sort of final encouragements for um, could be, could be the struggling worshiper. I don't know if that's the right term, but, um, someone who is walking through probably a dry season of, um, worshiping God. And that can be in, in song, but even more so like even outside of that, as you're talking about prayer, um, you know, serving others, whatever that is. I'm going to read this and I'm going to be quiet. Go for it. Um, when we talk about worship in the heart, this is, this is something you can hold on to. Um, there must be spirit. There must be truth. Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. Mm. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy. It's important. Mm. <laughs> On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty freezy, frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. Mm. And so like that would be our push against like, when we say spirit led, I don't, I don't think we can, people know, like we go like hyper charismatic, yeah. Yeah. Um, emotional, yeah, just a very emotional driven. response. So yeah. uh, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. But true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. Strong mm. affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. Mm. <laughs> now be quiet. Sierra? I don't got anything. It's okay. What? I was, I was gonna find something, but I can I can I find, find something. If, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> you give find, you. You find something first. Yeah, I I I didn't want to uh, go ahead of you if you had found it, but I I'm mm -hmm. gonna say something from Revelation. Revelation is growing on me so much. Uh, but for the struggling worshiper, the person who uh, maybe because I've I've been in this place, the person who maybe can't get emotional about worship who can't get excited about worship or even to the person that um, maybe is, is excited and, and can get 
in this emotional response without really knowing the truth behind it. Uh, I would just say there's a good balance in uh, Revelation 4 um, and 5. And you see, um, let's just go to 4, 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I want to point out a few things from that. First of all, they, they're, they're doing it day and night. The, the seraphim there, they, they can't get enough of praising God. Um, they, they never cease to say. They, they're doing it continuously, as we, as we mentioned before. And so I think the first um, important thing there is just to note that our hearts shouldn't, shouldn't want or we, we should never desire to, to stop praising. And that should be the first thing. And the second thing you see there is that, that who was and is and is to come. And that, that's pretty common to see in Revelation, that who was and is and is to come. And that really is just declaring to, to God that he has always been, that he has always been, he always is, and he always will be. And I think once again, that's that truth that we've been talking about. You're, you're reminding yourself and you're declaring to God that God was, he always has been, he is, he's, he's good right now and he's God right now and he is to come. He's going to be God in the future and he's going to be good in the future. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he continues, John, um, saying what the, the elders now say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And so you see again that, that knowledge of God, you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And what is it driven? It's driven the worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And you see, just continued through Revelation 5, when the Lamb comes, you see when um, the Lamb opens the scroll, that once again it's always that, that God has done this thing, and so because God has done this thing, we are going to declare His worth, like, like Sierra mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. But... Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to have to follow that. But, <laughs> um, Too bad. <laughs> my final encouragement, I think, just kind of comes from Psalm 73. I think this is, well, it's a staple passage in my life, but also I think it just lays out what worship, kind of how worship moves our hearts. Um, and so the psalm begins with kind of a declaration of God's goodness. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then the re remainder of the first half of the psalm, the psalmist is wrestling with pursuing God in a fallen world and just really not feeling it of, you know, seeing so much adversity around him and seeing the evil prosper and, and just is following God even worth it and kind of wrestling with these emotions of, I, man, I just don't feel like it. Like it mm -hmm. seems like following God, this whole worship thing, isn't really worth it. Um, and then in the middle of the Psalm verse 16 and 17, it says, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the tone of the Psalm entirely shifts into this worshipful, like there is no one else I desire on earth besides you. Like whom have I in heaven, but you. And th like this kind of worship ends up moving the Psalmist to being able to say in the last verse, but for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the Lord God, my refuge that I may tell of all your works, despite whatever the world is doing. Like worship has moved his heart to, to say, it doesn't matter what my circumstances, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling like worship is good because God is good. Hmm. And our worship has to be based on the foundation of God's character and not on our circumstance. And so I think my encouragement in that is a lot of times worship can move us from a place of knowing the truth, but not feeling the truth to feeling the truth because 
our heart is bowed down before God. Mm -hmm. But I think there is an order to it. And there is, you know, kind of a priority there of we have to prioritize truth when we're not feeling it. And we can bring in those emotions when we are, but, but ultimately resulting back to that. God is true. God is good. Mm. And I can worship him because of that. Yeah. That's really good. Well, mm-hmm. thanks Sarah for joining us. It was a pleasure and a gift. We'll have to have you all more. So, um, same time next week. <laughs> we'll be right back here. Same time next week. Sarah may or may not be on here. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. Later guys. Power trick coming up too. See ya. Sign up. <laughs> Register now.